0: If I missed you a minute ago, my name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We are really glad you're with us this morning. Welcome to those of you watching um, online at home. We are glad you've checked in with us as well. We're continuing on in our series on the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to pick up in verse 12 and read through the rest of the chapter. Here we go. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word this morning. I'm thankful for passages like these that shed so much light on how we are to live as a church, how we are to treat one another, how we're to love one another. And like Paul says in this, in this passage, that none of us who's in Christ is indispensable. We are valuable. We're... Uh, have intrinsic worth. We've been given and gifted gifts to be able to um, flourish for the good of the body and the good of those around us. So help us understand this, Lord. Help us understand this. Help us believe this this morning. And I pray um, as we dig into the scriptures that you would change um, the way we live when we leave this place because we believe that your, your scripture has power and that this is your, uh, the revelation of yourself to us. And we believe it can change us when we dig into it and we read it and we study it and we ponder it. So help us this morning as we do that. It's in your Sunday, and we pray. Amen. I have um, the um, privilege, and it is a privilege, I love doing it, of coaching um, a lot of five-year-old sports, okay? Five-year-old sports. Um, I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And um, But in all of these sports, I've coached basketball, soccer, and baseball. And in all of these sports, like um, there's this consistent thing that happens, right? Kids are not fully developed yet. They're just five years old, right? Just learning the game, just understanding what's going on. So they can really only focus on one thing at a time when the game starts, right? When the, Fans are yelling, parents are cheering on, and they can only focus on one thing at a time. And that is usually the ball, right, the ball. And so, for example, we were having a tee ball practice a couple of days ago, and we were working on defense, so we had all the players. I actually put them in positions to start with, right, to start with, and then um, we were allowing the kids to hit the ball off the tee and, and make plays and that kind of thing. And, and um, over and over and over, when there was a ball hit somewhere in the infield there, there would be all, like seven kids would run and try to get to the ball and like dog pile on the ball. And all the coaches there are saying, hey, don't fight over it. Don't fight over it. Just one guy get it, pick it up, and throw it, right? Like, that's, like, that's baseball, right? Um, but these kids don't know any different, right? They're just, they're just trying to get to the ball. That's the only thing. They want to get to the ball, and then they'll figure out what to do next when I kind of yell at them and tell them, hey, throw it here, throw it here, right? That's what they do. Now, nobody watching this would say, this is technically beautiful baseball, right? Like, if you're just watching, you're saying, this is awful, Right. They're, they're not spread out. This is not productive, right? Each kid has a position. A position has different traits and characteristics. There's a reason why you put um, a first base, at, uh, first base plays first base, there's shortstop plays shortstop, and a catcher plays catcher. There are reasons for that because there are different gifts. It's the way a team is constructed for the, the team to work best. But they're cute. They're innocent. It's fun to watch them do this, but nobody would say that this is the best way to play baseball and the best way to get the hitter out after he hits the ball. And I think sometimes we can do things as a church that look something like this, right? God designed the church to be a place where people are united around diverse giftings, so that we may be built up, the church may be built up, um, um, get to a place of health and be able to extend the kingdom uh, throughout the nations. Okay, And I'm guessing if I told you that the church was a place where you, and this is for unbelievers here too. Like imagine this, if this is your first time in church, imagine this kind of place, right? Imagine a place, um, and this is the church, the ideal picture of the church, where uh, you and your gifts are desperately needed. Like You're needed and wanted, and for the purpose of the church to be fulfilled, we need everyone's gifts, everyone um, on the field, everyone playing. That feels good to be wanted. It feels good to be needed. As human beings, we all want to think that I have a role to play here. I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And If everyone is doing that, we're going to actually benefit from other people's giftedness, other people's wirings and how God's created them. And when these two things are happening, when you are giving all of you, everything you have and you're desperately needed and everyone else is in the same place, something beautiful happens. Like this is a, an environment happens where true freedom and joy in Jesus can be experienced. And that's the ideal. But if we were all to, 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 to reflect and tell the truth, I think we would say that we like the idea of biblical community, we like the picture that I just described, as long as it doesn't infringe on our autonomy. As long as it doesn't infringe on what I want, as long as it doesn't infringe on my preferences, as long as it doesn't infringe on my schedule, it doesn't, as long as it doesn't infringe on my energy level, my, my family rhythms, Right? then, then we're, we're all in. That sounds great. Right? We don't like the idea of dependence. Or or needing people depend on us or us depending on other people. We don't really like that as a nation and a culture. We pride ourselves on being individuals. This is how our country was created, the American dream. You and yourself just pioneering out there, picking yourself up by your bootstraps and making your making something of yourself. That is the way our country was founded. We don't do team necessarily well naturally, okay? So here's where we're at in this book, right? So Paul last week, I'm going to read uh, four verses from last week that sets us up for this week, because this is, this is one thought, right? All of ver- uh, chapter 12 is one thought. Verse 4 says, now there are various gifts, but the same spirit. There are various service, varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone, Verse 7 is key. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Basically what Paul is saying here, hey, the church has been created where there's a variety of gifts, variety of kinds of people, um, diversity is good, right? And But we're unified. We're unified around Jesus and we're unified around our purpose, but there's variety in how we all operate and how we are wired. Okay. And now let's look at verse 12 uh, in today's text. For just as the body is one and has many members, right? Same idea. And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, Paul again is anchoring this in the idea of Jesus, right? And the Trinity and what this, what this means for us. Verse 13 For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. And Paul kind of giving us the big picture of unity. We're unified around the Spirit. Okay? We all have the same Spirit inside of us, those of us who are followers of Jesus. Now, we get the word body here, right? This body um, is, is the metaphor that Paul uses this whole passage, and this is what we're going to stay in the rest of our time. And body is one of the more uh, common metaphors or pictures of the church, so if you ever kind of wondered, why do we do what we do as a church? Why do we think membership is so important? Why do we really put value on kind of covening together and saying, I'm a part of this church and I want to give my gifts and I want to receive the gifts of others. Why do we do that? It's because of passages like this. Because when, when this Bible uses the, the metaphor of body, which we're going to see, you have to know who's a part of the body and who's not. Kind of who's in and who's out, who's committed to this particular church and who is not. Let's keep going. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, Paul is going to list, really for the next like 10 verses, a few reasons why the Corinthians are not seeing this diversity in unity lived out. Okay, here's some reasons why this is not happening in Corinth, and I think this is obviously reasons why it wouldn't happen in Providence Road potentially as well. Verse 15. So listen, this first half is... um, People in the body or parts of the body devaluing themselves, devaluing themselves, or underselling what they bring to the table. Verse 15. The foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If an ear should say, I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So God, there was, de- there was design, there was intentionality, and God's sovereignty and providence. He made you like you are for a reason. The, your, your, those, those of you who are members of Providence Road, he knew you would be members of Providence Road Church, and he designed you a certain way to build up the body of Providence Road and use this church for his mission. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So if you're here in this room and you're the type that says, i just not, I don't have any gifts or I don't even know what my gift is. I, I, I don't feel as valuable as some other people in the body or I'm not as gifted as some other people in the body. I want to challenge you this morning to stop listening to your flesh and to Satan. That's what that is. That is not of God. It's not of the Holy Spirit. This passage just said the opposite of that. If you downplay your gifts, not in like a, a humble way, but in a I'm a kind of worthless way and God hasn't gifted me and I don't have a place in this church, that is not true. It's not true. This church needs you. This church desperately needs you. If you are a follower of Jesus and you are a part of this church, this church needs you. If you if that those feelings of worthlessness, they're not biblical. The spirit builds up. The Spirit is building the church. The Spirit wants the church to thrive and to flourish. And for the rest of us, um, just realize there are people in our body who feel like this. So we need to encourage one another. We need to be a place where we build other people up with our words. That when we see something good in someone, we call it out. We say, I see God working in you this way. Or even when you don't see it, you can ask questions of people and really encourage them to un- try to understand how they're wired and what they're good at. And when you see that, praise the heck out of people. Like none of us says, oh, you know, I've just been encouraged way too much this week, right? Like I'm just, you know, I'm really tired of the encouragement. I I just, I'd rather listen to the, my flesh and Satan this week more. I'm really tired of hearing people that I love and I care for and care about me tell me um, how they see God working in and through me. No, that's none of us have ever, ever said that. Nobody has said that. We can all use more encouragement. So let's together encourage one another. And those of you who are struggling with this, right? Like, receive the encouragement, right? Receive the, 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 the praise from your fellow brothers and sisters. Now, there's a more subtle way that this can happen, and I want us to be mindful of it that thinking that your contribution doesn't matter to the point that it has the effect on you that um, you become not available or you become passive. Or you stop showing up to things. And if you downplay your importance enough, you're going to start, your, your actions are going to follow that. Like when things get hard or seasons get hard, you're going to kind of step out of fellowship because you feel like you're, 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 not, you're not a big role. Oh, the church will continue on. The church will be fine without me there. And again, that's not what Paul is saying in this passage. "Every member of the body is valuable. So again, don't be, be careful allowing the downplaying to feed into passivity, or just not showing up, or, you know what they, they, I wasn't there last Sunday, and, and they, they obviously had a service without me there, so I, I'm probably not needed there. No. Like this is a spiritual thing. We're spiritually united around one spirit. We need you, and we need your presence here. Um, I, I was reading a little bit more about this because I got curious, but you think about like what is the, the smallest, um, I always think about what is the smallest, least significant, at least perceptively on our body, um, I always think of like our pinky toe, right? It's the smallest uh, part of our body that's the furthest from our brain, right? Our pinky toe is, right? And so think about when you like stub your pinky toe, Right? Like, for there for a moment, you think the world is going to end, right? Like, you can have, you can be looking at someone from afar, they stubbed their toe, or they got shot. Like, you can't tell which one is which, right? Like, that's how people react when you just go down, and it hurts, and you're just saying things you're not supposed to say. Like, it is, it really, really hurts, and it's this little tiny part of our body, but that our toes um, can bear up to two to three times our body weight when we're running when we're jumping, there are two kinds of nerves in our pinky toe. One kind of nerve, when you first stub it, hit it, sends an immediate um, signal, message to our brain, and that's this intense, immediate pain we feel. There are these other nerve endings that are a little bit more slower and less intense that you begin to feel the dull ache, the thing that continues on for a couple of days or weeks. That is another kind of nerve. So even within our pinky toe, we have two kinds of nerves that allow it to function. Now, places like this is fascinating. Places uh, and it makes sense. So, uh, places like our toes, our fingers, and our lips—places that are more sensitive—the um, places where they send messages to in our brain, they're 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 more uh, they're more of them. They're stronger. They're more intense because we use those things for our senses to feel things. Whereas places like our forehead, or our back, or our stomach—the places that the messages send pain in those areas to our brain—they're smaller. Less intense because God has designed our toes, our fingers, our lips to be more sensitive, right? So even in that, just the pinky toe, there's so much wrapped up in there. And it seems such like an insignificant part of our body. Okay, let's keep going on. Now, verse 21, this is the flip side. These are the parts of the body that overvalue themselves, right? That maybe look down upon others because they see themselves as somehow more important. Let's listen. The eye cannot say to the hand... I have no need for you, nor, again, the head to the feet. I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Here's the purpose of that. So there's no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, they all rejoice together. Okay? Again, this 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 kind of mentality provides empathy. Now, this this passage here should should really war against and and smash this this unhealthy celebrity culture in the church. And maybe you guys don't feel it as much, but in, in kind of a vocational pastor uh, minister world, we see this so much, this idea of celebrity culture in the church. So if, if, if there, you know, there are people up here every Sunday that are using their gifts for the building up of the body. So the people who are up here should never look at other gifts in a way that says somehow we are better than other gifting, whether it's a worship pastor, preachers, teachers, whatever. Right, like we shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't put us on a pedestal as well. You shouldn't say, "Well, Jeremy is somehow in some unique category, or Josh or Jay is in some unique category." You shouldn't do that. We're just like any one of any of you all. We, I struggle to make God an important part of my day, just like any of you do. Right? We are. We are. uh, We. uh, I have to fight to not chase after idols. To not want things more than, than, than Jesus. I struggle with that. I struggle to find my freedom and joy in Jesus daily, okay? We are all equal in that way. Each person brings some, something to the table that other people need. Now, the, the more subtle version of this, just like the one before, the more subtle version of this is, is thinking you're too good to receive help. Again, this can come off as humility sometimes, but there's some pride underneath it, right? When you refuse to receive help from the body, that's pride. Because you're not letting the other members of the body actually do their jobs and fulfill the purposes that God gave them in the church if you receive help. Or if you don't ask for help, you think I got it all together and I got this, and you don't ask for help on whatever it is. That's pride. That's thinking somehow I'm above everyone else and I'm not going to ask people to help me. Here's the deal. If we say that we don't need other people and we hear passages like Genesis 2 where God creates man and woman and says it's not good for man to be alone. Obviously, that is talking about marriage, but it is talking about so much more than marriage. So to say that we don't need other people, we don't need other brothers and sisters, you are basically saying to that passage in God that I don't believe you. I don't really think I need other people. I got this alone. That whole that thing in Genesis 2, that was a mistake. I'm good by myself. And we know that's a lie and it it's not true. Now, what are some other reasons? So those are two reasons Paul mentions. I want to mention a few more that I think prevent us from living this out. No, I mean, I'll stay with this body metaphor. Think of um, atrophy. So this word atrophy is when a part of the body is not used for a while. It begins to, um, it, it begins to get weaker. It begins to stop functioning the way it should, okay? Um, and, it, and it happens because it is either underused or neglected, right? So those of you who have had a, a really severe injury, usually with like a, an arm or a leg, and they have to immobilize it, and they put it in a, in a cast or something, and you take that cast off, or you start to look at the, the muscles um, uh, go away, and, and becomes smaller, and the function and the flexibility go down because you're not using it. It's immobilized. It forgot how to function. This is why you have to go to physical therapy and things. So it could be because of um, um, neglect or you're, or it's under use. So that may be, that may describe you. And you also think of back to that pinky toe example. When you think of runners when they mess up their toe, right? Like when it, it affects it affects how they sh- their foot strikes the ground. I mean, You multiply that over by thousands and thousands of times, then you start favoring your other foot, the healthy foot. What happens to that foot? It gets tired. It gets injured. It starts to break down because it's not used to picking up the load for the right foot or the foot that the the hurt toe's on. And that affects the hip, right? You start messing with your strides, your hip, thousands and thousands of strides, your hip starts to to lose function. Then it hurts your lower back, right, because your hip's connected to your lower back. Your lower back starts to hurt, then you lose sleep because right? you can't sleep, and then your brain starts to not function, right? because you don't have enough sleep. All because of a toe, a broken toe, and you didn't address it in the proper way. This is the same thing that can happen in the body. When one body part stops working from neglect, or whatever, it puts more pressure on the other parts of the body to function. Okay, so atrophy, not using your gift, is a way that, this, that, that, that uh, it, we can get in the way of this. Now, another um, we can be too dependent upon others, um, and I think we all get that, but specifically, I think in, um, let's just say, content, like uh, sermons, podcasts, classes, books. You get so used to listening to sermons or podcasting sermons or reading books or whatever it is, and you begin to forget what it's like to actually go to the Word yourself and feed yourself, right, and do the hard work and actually feeding yourself. There, there, there are places, obviously, those people are given to the body to equip the body in those areas, but it, doesn't, it shouldn't, um, it shouldn't um, um, uh, further dependence upon those gifts, right? We should be, Paul uses these, these pictures all the time, or the whole New Testament does, of, of switching from milk to meat, right? As we mature in Christ, we go from milk to meat in what we digest, right? We learn how to cut meat. We should learn how to cut the meat, to chew the meat, to digest the meat, right, as we get older, okay? So we shouldn't be too dependent upon others in whatever gifting they bring to the table. And the last um, thing I'll mention is something that Stephen Um mentioned in his commentary, but he says, calls it uh, putting self-care above mutual care. And if we read verse 25 and 26 again, he says that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another, okay? So the aim of um, of the, the body parts working together in a lot of ways is to care for the body, that everyone has, there's, there's mutual care happening. And what, what he brings light to is that when there's, when there's mutual care, um, we're able to empathize with one another. And Paul even says it there, when somebody experiences pain or suffering, we can enter into their pain and suffering when we're not putting the attention on ourselves and we're after mutual care. When somebody celebrates or something good happens, we can celebrate with them, we can rejoice with them. Why? Because we're not looking after our own interests, we're looking after the interests of others. But the moment we become, that, that self-care becomes more important than mutual care, we get caught up in, in protecting ourselves, protecting our image, protecting our desires, protecting what we want. And the moment we start leaning there and having that posture, it makes it really, really hard to empathize with others. We've all experienced this, right? When you are bitter towards someone else, when you are upset with someone else, it is hard to empathize with them. You see the worst in them. You don't, you don't, it's not your fault, it's their fault. How could I empathize with them? Oh, they have some success. How could I rejoice in their success when I'm so bitter and angry with them? So the moment we start caring about ourselves more than caring about others, um, problems start to happen. And we can rest in this truth that we've been, we, we have this identity given to us by Christ. And we have an identity as a part of this church, as brothers and sisters in, a, in the family of God under Christ. And we need to lean into that identity and trust in that identity so we don't have to go look for our, our, our own identity. We don't have to to protect ourselves and create this image and keep it kind of uh, propped up. We don't have to do that because we've already been given an identity here. And one last thing I'll say on this point is that um, if you don't feel, if you've been here for a considerable amount of time and you don't feel connected, a question I would want you to ask yourself is are you serving? Are you serving on a Sunday morning or in an MC? Because if you don't, if you feel disconnected, once again, what this is saying is spiritually, if you are not serving, you are going to feel disconnected. Like if you're meant to be a body part and you're functioning kind of like an amputated body part, one that's not functioning in the life of the church, it's not going to, that body part's not going to be healthy. You're not going to feel health. You're not going to feel like you're connected. And that is by God's design. Right? When you are a part of the body, you, you, you come and you give what your, what your gift is, is, is called you to give. You serve how you're called to serve. You may not know it at first, but that's why we just say, hey, jump in. Just start serving. Right? Just start serving somewhere. Um, so just, just if, you don't feel, if you've been here for any length of time and you still don't feel connected, that may be an issue. Now, those, ample, those examples aren't exhaustive. That's just a list that hopefully gets us thinking. Let's keep going. Verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And here Paul starts, starts some more lists of these gifts and people gifts, right? And, um, and this time, Paul doesn't focus specifically on the gifts that kind of work through people and are specific tied to um, um, doing something or specific uh, skill set. So, but these are more people gifts, theologians call them. So you'll, you'll hear the difference here. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, Third, teachers. Okay, so those are what theologians would call people gifts. And then listen to the fourth. And then miracles. See, the shift there from, like, they're actually not, not people, but these are now gifts like we looked at last week. Then the gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Now, Remember, like last week, these are gifts. These aren't performance awards. These aren't, hey, you're, you're awesome. Therefore, I'm going to give you a gift. That is not the way gifts work. They are grace gifts. They are gifts. They are given by the, by the sovereignty of God because of his just good sovereign pleasure and mercy and grace. That's why we have the gifts. Now, I want to go over to Ephesians 4. This is another list that Paul gives and it has the same three, um, in verse 28 there, he mentions apostles, prophets, and teachers. He adds two more in Ephesians 4. So I want to read this passage. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So there's five there. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until, when is that done? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. There's that word unity again. Unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of of Christ. So, what 1 Corinthians 12 is saying and Ephesians 4 is saying that every follower of Jesus is meant to be an equipper and a minister. Right? He connects us in unity to our faith, that one spirit, and, and, and then he uses that to build one another up to the knowledge and the fullness of Christ, which is what Ephesians um, says. So, if we're not using our gifts, that's what's at stake, not growing up into the fullness of Christ as the church. Right? And if you see, Jesus was all of these, right? So before we look at these briefly at these five, Jesus was all of these. Um, Jesus, he, Jesus is referred to as the head, right And so Jesus, in some function, um, has all of these in his person, and I'm going to go through these quick. Um, these five that are Ephesians 4 mentioned, because again, there's three of these mentioned in the, in the text we're looking at today. So apostle, and this is little a apostle. So when I say apostle and prophet, this is not the same as the apostles that saw Jesus with their eyes, okay? These are little a apostles or apostles that have been given to the church. And these are in order, but they're not in order of importance. They're in order of chronology as churches are started and planted, okay? So listen, so apostles first. Uh, Apostles, little a apostles, um, these are people who typically um, are in pioneering works. They start things, whether it's missionaries, church planters, people that see a need, there's nothing there, and they create something to fulfill that need. We see this all throughout the scriptures, and you even see it if you look for it in today's church as well, okay? Next, prophets. Again, little p prophet, this is not the same prophet as you would... See, like in the Old Testament, okay? But this kind of person calls people back to faithfulness, similar to the way that the prophets function in the Old Testament. Call people back to faithfulness. Call people back to the Word of God. Like, they, they, and Oftentimes, they don't care about gentleness. They just want truth to be known and, and proclaimed. Often, these are people who um, care about specific areas of justice, who have this, 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 if so, if you're a person that has this area of justice and you just can't sleep, your whole life revolves around calling people to be a part and addressing this need, you may be a, a prophet, a little p prophet. Evangelist. Um, this obviously, we kind of know what that word means, right? We, we, we uh, preach the gospel and there's probably a track record of people coming to know faith. Through your uh, relationships and ministry in your life. It's not necessarily you're, you're, you're good at preaching the gospel or you're not afraid of preaching the gospel. It's actually when you do it, the spirit moves in supernatural ways and people just become Christians through your ministry. Now, this, in a more general way, this could be those of you who may be, um, you may be kind of sales people. Whatever cause you champion, you can rally people around a cause. So whatever you're um, evangelizing for at the time, you're good at attracting people to that cause. So the, the critique for you may, may be, well, are you using that gift to actually see people come into the kingdom, or are you using that gift for something maybe less important? Again, not, nothing wrong with using that gift in other places, but are you also using it to further the kingdom? Shepherd. Think of shepherd and taking care of sheep, a flock, right? It's Making sure everyone is cared for and taken care of. Know where the sheep at. Know if there's any danger. Are there any sheep lost? Are being, sheep being taken care of? Are they being fed? Are they being loved? Are be, are all of those things are what enters the mind of a shepherd. Huge heart for people. The lovers of people. Shepherds. Teachers. Uh, champion the Bible. Explain things. Make complicated things clear. That's the kind. That, that's teachers. And that's probably pretty self-explanatory. Teacher is probably one of the gifts that I have. So if, you're, if you've listened to me preach before, and you really uh, want me to go further and be like, oh, he could have done so much more with that passage, or as you were just getting me, and then you moved on to your next point, I wish you would go longer, you're probably a teacher. If you're here and you're like, I wish you would just shut up, like, it's is going long, I'm hungry. Why does he have to explain everything three times in three different ways? You may not be a teacher, right? I may be annoying you with my gift. You may be an evangelist. You're like, enough of this just talking. Let's just go do something, right? We're wasting time sitting in here listening to this teacher, right? Okay, so that may be you. So all this to say, don't get caught up in the, well, what are you? What am I? Like, let's let's come up with some inventory to, like, force people. No, all Paul is saying here is things are diverse. There's a lot of things given to the church to build her up. Okay, that's the main po- point Paul's making. So I, I'm nervous turning these things into like these gift tests where you, you you spend 20 minutes filling out something and then you're automatically, you have these spiritual gifts, right? That's that's I don't like doing that and saying this is biblical. I got these out of the scripture. So don't make these into that. Let's keep going. But praise God for the diversity. I think that's the big highlight here. Are all apostles... Are all prophets? Oh, and I skipped a few there before. I mentioned some of those last week. That's why I didn't explain those uh, as much. And then we'll come across some of those here again in chapter fourteen. So I did skip a few of those miracles and those kinds of things. We'll come back to that. Verse twenty nine: Are all apostles? Are all prophets? The teachers do all work miracles. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? This is rhetorical, right? The answer is no. Right? So, not all people, back to the, back to the body example, not every, every body part's not an eye. That would make a weird body. Not everyone's an ear. That would make a weird body. It'd be, it'd be dysfunctional, right? Same thing. Not everyone has these gifts. Not everyone has all of them, okay? Um, and then the, the, last, the last verse there um, in uh, verse 31, he says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. We're going to come back to that. Uh, when we get to chapter 13, because most theologians think that is kind of an entry point into chapter 13 and into chapter 14 as well. So we'll cover that um, uh, next, uh, next time. Um, but Jesus, let's look at Jesus. Jesus is the strongest member of the body, right? He was the head. He was the head. And he became the least and the most dispensable so that people like you and me, before we knew Jesus, we were, we were dispensable, right? We were rebels. We were enemies of God. We wanted nothing to do with God. Based off his holiness, we were dispensable parts. But Jesus, who was indispensable, became dispensable. So we who are dispensable might become indispensable. So the reason why Paul can say, you're all worthy, you're all valuable, you all have something, a role to play in the church, is because of the person and work of Jesus. It's because he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, Philippians 2 tells us. But laid down his life for the sake of 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 wicked sinful people like you and I. And that is the beauty of God's grace and mercy in Jesus, okay? Now, a couple quick application points and I'm done. So, with these, I'm making an assumption here. That I, this is, this is like, um, feeling like in the next couple of months, things are starting to go, get better with the pandemic. Um, the, the pandemic, which has been keeping people away, I think, for good reasons, um, is, is starting to loosen up a little bit. Things are getting back to normal, whatever that's going to look like. So, this is an assumption that, um, most, if not all of us will be back in the life of the church within a few months. Okay. So, how does this look played out in the church? Well, I'll say in a Sunday context. So, it, Sunday mornings, we always need volunteers. Always, always, always need volunteers. Kaylee needs volunteers right now to, to, to help serve with the kids. Summer's coming up. There's a big shift here. We have, we've got a lot of faithful college students that serve back in the kids right now. Um, they're going to be leaving, most of you that are in here and other colleges, be leaving over the summer. So there's three or four months here where we're going to be low in, 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 uh, in kids' workers, but the kids' population is not going to drop here. It's going to stay the same. So she needs workers over the summer. Even if you can only commit through August, commit through August. She needs that. We need, pla- we need volunteers everywhere else. And again, it's for our benefit that you serve in that way, but it's also for your benefit. It's not, hey, we just need a hole to be filled. Fill a hole for us so we can keep this machine going. No, you're part of the body. This is a body function. This isn't a, a, a big organization that's trying to just find f- holes to fill. This is spiritual. This is, so if you, if you thought when we stand up and ask for volunteers, um, it's not, hey, we need a hole filled. We want you to flourish by using your gifts, and everybody around you needs to experience you using your gifts as well. So Sunday context. So your entry point's volunteering. If, you're, if you've been around a while or you're think, even thinking about membership, going to get on that track, start serving. Start serving now. Now, if you've been serving for a while, what's your next step? You probably should start thinking about leadership. How can I start leading a group of volunteers? I wonder if the leader of this ministry could use kind of someone to come alongside of them and actually help them lead, do a little bit more than volunteering. That may be your next step. So again, just putting that out in front of you. The next context, so we have Sundays, and then we have missional communities, right? Missional communities are places we do life together, really from Sunday at at noon till the next Sunday at 9 a.m., that's missional community world, right? So we do, like, this is three-hour world up here. The rest of the hours of the week are families living life together, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry all the other hours of the week. So I'll say this, your MC leaders need you. If you are in an MC, it is a hard, hard thing to lead an MC. It's really difficult. It takes a lot of time. That's, this isn't the, that, that, that's, it's nobody's primary job. Nobody gets paid for leading a missional community. So it's, it's difficult. It's hard. So if you're in a missional community, if you haven't asked your leader, hey, how can I take a load off you? How can I help you? How, have you seen anything in me that, al- that would allow me to flourish in this MC and would help take weight off of you? Asking those questions would be such a blessing to MC leaders, such a blessing. And that's, obviously, that's honestly the best way to start using your gifts. Low risk, 10, 12, 15, 20 people, right? Like if you mess up trying something, who cares, right? It's not a big deal, right? It's low pressure. You can get, you, it's in the context of relationship. You get feedback by people who love you and care about you and want you to grow, um, we need other people in MCs to step up, and we need more MC leaders as well. Eventually, so we need that. That starts with taking on more responsibility in an MC context. Okay, so those are the application points. Sunday and missional community. Okay, we need people in both places to step up and use your gifts. Now, I say all that. I want to make sure before I close to say this. Like this isn't. Uh, this is high challenge this morning, right? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get underneath and really get us going here in some of these areas. But I don't want you to hear that I'm just putting more weight upon you. I don't want to hear that I'm trying to shame you or manipulate, because that's not going to work, right? That's not, that won't work in getting you to use your gifts to shame you into using them. So the question is why? Like if you're not, or if you feel like you're, you're not using your gifts as you maybe should, why? Why not? And let us help you with that. So some of these reasons this morning are probably not good reasons to not to, and I've already gone through those. So the question for you becomes: Well, what's the first step for me to be able to start using my gifts? Now there's some of you in here, and I'm thinking of two different kinds of people. One, um, if you're struggling with a with a sin issue, like in my experience, if I'm struggling with unconfessed sin, unrepented sin, there's there's this barrier or this wall to me serving. Because I'm, I'm feeling shameful, I'm feeling guilty about this particular, this, this thing I'm doing, and maybe it's in secret or whatever, and I, I'm having difficulty actually serving joyfully because of this. So number one, get help for that. Confess that. Find someone that loves you and cares about you and say, hey, I, this, this, is, this is pulling me down. It's a weight upon me, and it's keeping me from flourishing and using my gifts. So that's one of you. Like, so you need to get help for the sin if that describes you. Number two, if you're tired. Now, I want to be careful here. I want to be sensitive because it is okay to get tired. We all get tired for a season. If it's longer than a season, something may be wrong, and you need to get help. You need to talk to somebody about it. You need to process with somebody about it. Like we, prior, we talk about the, this metaphor. We want to be a battleship, not a cruise ship, and this fits with that. We want to be a battleship in the sense that everybody has a role. There's a clear purpose for a battleship, right? Cruise ship purposes have fun you pay, you get goods and services for paying there. You can sit all week long out in the sun if you want to on a cruise ship. You can do whatever you want to do, and you pay good money to have the people that work there serve you. We don't want to be a church like that. We want to be a battleship. Everyone has a role. There's a vision. There's a point we're going to. There's a purpose, and every there's no indispensable roles on a battleship. None. They're all valuable for the sake of the mission of what that battleship's for. Now, on that battleship, though, there's a medical station. There are doctors. If you get hurt in battle, you need to go to the doctor. You may need to sit out of whatever role you have for the time. This is where this comes in. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling hurt, if whatever that is, get help. Talk to somebody. Let, let us help you bandage those wounds. Get help. Get healing so you can get back out in the fight. You can get back out in the battle because that is the mission. That is the purpose. So I just want to be careful here. If that describes you, again, the, the, it's not just to be passive and do nothing until you get better. It's to seek help. It's to lean into the body. It's to all those other people with good shepherding gifts and healing gifts that are good listeners. Now's the time for you to lean on them when you need help. When you need to be heard. When you need comfort and healing. Our mission as the body, the church is clear. It's to make disciples, to make disciples of all nations. And we need each other to make that happen. We need each other, period. So let's get after it. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word. And I love passages like this that just call us together as um, a body, as a team. Um, And I um, pray that you would help us um, walk in that and live in that. Um, I pray as we... Move into a time of communion now. That this time where we stop every week and remember that we are one body and one spirit, and we take from the same loaf of bread, and we 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 don't um, we we aren't recognizing Jesus' grace and mercy um, as individuals merely, but we do that as individuals that are part of a family, that are a part of a body. And so, help us in this time. Allow allow this time of reflection to help. Um, bring things to mind, reveal areas of strengths to us, reveal ways that we can give, um, pour our lives out more for your mission. And we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.